Welcome to Life Karma. It's B here. B.A., I wish you could see us dancing here. We're, we're rocking out <laughs> in Life Karma Studios. Every time I listen to LL Cool J, I feel like I should be boxing or something. Yeah. Should be fighting something. Like, I just like, boom, boom, come on, burn some calories or something. Mama said, knock you, you know, like, <clears throat> mama said, knock you out. Yes, yeah, like, I, I get up and start boxing. So, um, it's so funny because Hannah, a few years ago in grade school, she was being uh, bullied by boys. And she got sent home because some boy kept on picking on her. And um, I, f- she, I feel like I know where this is going. Yeah. She punched him in the throat and he fell down. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, yes. I was the most proud father on the planet Earth. Kim was horrified. I'm like, you know what? You're, next time, kick him in the growing and then punch him in the throat. Yeah, what do you want her to do? Well, I mean, that was the whole thing. Violence doesn't solve problems. I yes, said, it does. well, you want to call what he was doing to her sexual advances? So, like, this is bullcrap. She's in fourth grade. And I'm like, and this kid wouldn't leave her alone, so she freaking jacked him right in the throat and pushed him down. And I'm like, and you know what? He needs he needs to learn. You don't touch somebody. You I'd, know? I'd rather have violence than sexual harassment or sexual yeah. felonies. Yeah. I was very I was very proud of her. Mm-hmm. And Kim was like, oh, that's not... That's not appropriate. I said, bullshit, it ain't appropriate. <laughs> yeah, well, Jacob Blake, you know, the, um, there was a woman on Twitter talking about her her niece had been raped by him. Oh, my gosh. And, and people are like, he doesn't deserve seven shots in the back. She's like, Man, he probably deserved 50. Oh, my gosh. Like, she was going out for what he did to my niece. Da, 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 da. Oh, wow. I was like, there's always another side, you know, to the stories. Is. And it doesn't make either side right. No, it's just it there's always another side. It's just This is why if you can just be quiet and be patient and listen to the facts and understand first before you respond, it just, it's just way better. I heard a great definition today of the word um, humility and meekness. Humility plus meekness. Humility is to always be able to learn. Meekness is to apply the learning with change. So change because of what you learned is humbleness and meekness. And I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. I like that idea. I like that notion. Hmm. I'm just thinking like... Because uh, a lot of times I mean, people think meekness is just like being a wussy. It's well, not that at all. No, but I mean, kind of. Is it? Okay, tell me your definition again because I was still so, thinking about so humility. So humility is to be always learning. Mm-hmm. And meekness is to change because of the learning. I don't know if that's true. Like, well, I, mean, I don't. I don't sure, know sounds good. It sounds amazing. Yeah. But so I, think, I like it. So I'm gonna. It's my truth. I you think. Can I think the more you you learn, right? <clears throat> you, I do agree. The more humble you are, because you realize you don't know anything, right? So but that, I don't know if meekness is putting that into <clears throat> action. <clears throat> well, people think meekness is weakness, and it's not. I don't even know. Honestly, I don't even know what meekness really is. There's some really great talks. On meekness. Um, I'm going to look up meekness really quick. Yeah, meekness. Look up the definition of meekness. Because I used to think meekness was being a turd, and uh, my wife corrected me on it. Hmm. She told me that meekness was anything but that, that meekness is strength and meekness is standing for something. M-E-E-K-N-E-S-S, I think. Oh, yeah, I was spelling it wrong. Okay, to be meek is humbly patient or docile. As under provocation from others. See, but docile is 
is, yeah, I don't like docile. No. So what I like about that definition is this idea of don't be provoked by others. Well, it's humbly, <clears throat> hum, being humbly patient. Right. So that's, that's a good definition. I it's like that too. not putting anything into <clears throat> action though. Do you think what's happening in America today is humility and meekness? No. It's pure division and hate. It is absolute division. It is, you see it differently, so I want to kill you Both or destroy sides. you. Like last week, we talked about the cancel culture. Yeah. And I think the cancel culture is coming out of this kind of root division among, our, um, among people in our country. Mm-hmm. No one's patient enough to listen to your point of view anymore. Well, they automatically vilify you um, because you think differently than them. Well, they think division is a need. They, they think they need the division. It's, it's, it's a weird, weird thing. It's like, um, if I don't have division, I don't know who I am. And therefore, I, I mean, it's where they find themselves in the division. Yeah, I feel like I'm in a time where there's the, the great dividing of America. And it just doesn't make sense. We've always been a country that unites around freedom and basic decency. And I see that dissolving. What's at the core, though, of the division? That's what I was thinking a lot about today. Is <clears throat> What's at the core of the dividing of America? Yes. You know, that's a really good book title. Yeah, <laughs> like yes, the United yes. States of Socialism, right? Yeah. You, know, well, um, you know, that'd be what's at the core of the dividing of America? Right. Is it money? Is it power? Is it, it almost, is it the rich, the poor? Or is it the middle class? Is it, what is it that's dividing America, because I think we agree on a lot of things, no matter what side of the table you're on. I think it's those few things that we don't agree on that are very um, emotional and very passionate. And we start using the word fair, which I don't even know what fair means, but we start using words like that that get people divided. And I see it a lot in the legal system, right? <clears throat> so did you did you see in California they're they're voting to make yeah. reparations for I haven't for slaves exactly what the reparations are because North Carolina that's, to me that's fascinating. I'm oh, like, yeah. well, North Carolina did a reparation recently. Really, what they do? They put more money into inner city schools and counseling and stuff like oh, that. That that's the right way to use that. Right, right. I like I, that. I actually, I actually agreed with it. Yeah, I think they used the re- word reparation wrong in that situation, but I, I liked what they did and called it reparations is fine. Like whatever you call it, it was the right thing to do. What it's doing is it's equaling the scales of injustice and the way that in your opinion, right though, center city schools that are high minorities have traditionally not been served well. No, they're not served well because they're hard to teach at. And so you don't want the best teachers don't want to go there, whether the public schools or not. And they just don't want to go there. I mean, that's, and then you have, that's the parents usually aren't as involved in those schools. Yeah, I'll tell you problems. And I'll tell you this from personal experience. Kids that have trauma at home are much more difficult to teach. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because I can, I can only imagine. Because they're, they're, they make the classroom a place of division because they just want, because they need to be a, attended to differently because they have some issues. Mm-hmm. See, trauma creates triggers. And the triggers can create all sorts of crazy chaos, yeah, random chaos in a in a classroom, and that that could really, unless you're really on your game as a teacher, it could blow up your classroom. I've seen great teachers be able to take those kids that have trauma, and they just they can steer them in a way to help them learn. Yeah, it's usually through sports 
or some kind of competitive learning some, or so it help them discover their passion right. so they can rechannel the energy that all the triggers that caused them pain. I just can't imagine. I don't know. I, I but I, I can't imagine the things the kids go through and it's not even their fault. No, right? no, that's uh, pretty bad. It's bad. And so I, North Carolina, I think did a really good job of doing the reparations <clears throat> and, and putting more money where it needs to go. And you know, the, the, the division is out of control though. That's right. So if we were to make a list of the top 10 things that is dividing America, what would you say they would be? Money. Money. Okay. Mm -hmm. Social injustice. Okay. And um, I guess violence. I think. Violence? Yeah. Okay. Do you think race? Well, that's what I was going dividing. social injustice. Yeah, so that's more social injustice. Well, race. I, I mean, I guess racial injustice, too. Racial injustice, social, social injustice. injustice is, I mean, Violence, the, money. Yeah. I think power is another way of saying money. Power or control. Right, but I was People want to have power or control. They do, but I was trying to think about that, too, is we've given power to our leaders, right? But And we want to continue. I mean, people obviously want to continue that. But the, it, I don't know. It's really weird. You, you see this in politics a lot. There, there's a power grab going on, right? Yeah. So, like, obviously, the Trump, uh, the Trump administration is doing a power grab. The Biden administration is trying. I mean, the Biden, the Biden campaign is trying to do a power grab. You got Congress and the Senate. They're trying to do power grabs. You know, everybody's trying to gain power. Oh, I'd put fear down on that. Oh, list. fear. I love that. Fear. Because both sides are preaching fear, right? Trump is oh, saying, yeah. you know, if you, if you want more time, like this, you know, I'm the law and order. And if not, you should be in fear. And Biden's like, you should be in fear because this is happening under Trump's watch. Yeah, it's his. It's under his watch, so it's his fault. Right, right. <laughs> Which makes no sense because all the violence is, most of the violence is happening in cities that are controlled by the Democratic Party. So let me ask you this, though. This is the interesting... I, I was listening to this today and thinking about this, too. It's Jacob Blake. Okay, so, you know, Biden's trying to get out to go see his family and actually fly out there and see his family. He went outside George Floyd's family in Houston. Mm -hmm. But um, President Trump only calls, and he was planning to go see the cops in uh, Kenosha. Did I say that right? Yeah, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Yeah, and so I'm like, why is he not... Let's just say for... What is the why, what is the difference on why he won't go see Jacob Blake's family, but would go see the cops? Do you see what I'm saying? Like what? I don't think Blake, Jacob Blake's family want to see him. Is that true? No, Jacob Blake's mother said that she wants to see the president. Well, no, that Trump has reached out to her and she's missed his call. I don't know how you missed a call the president, but um, <laughs> and the, allegedly they're playing phone tag. I don't know how that happens either. Yeah, it's weird. But she said uh, that she was very thankful that. President Trump reached out. Yeah, and I think she she doesn't want this whole thing political politicized, right? Yeah, too late. You know. Yeah, it's hard, but I mean, like her desire as the mother is for this thing not to be divisive, right? Well, That's even the family, George Floyd's family, was the same way. Same way, yeah. So I mean, Biden finally came out today and said that the you know looters right you know is wrong and blah blah should be. It's punished. been happening for five months. So I know why just today because it's a poll driven thing, right? Like, yeah, because they started dipping in yes. the polls and he's responding to the dip yes. in the polls. And uh, didn't a CNN uh, anchor like he said, "Man, you guys got to start you know not embracing this violence, otherwise yeah. it's it's affecting it's you divisive. in the polls. It's divisive. It, it is divisive. I mean, that's that's the thing though. Is like both of them are preaching these divisive things, and it's like, who's going to have common sense? 
Right. It's like, why don't we talk about the things that unify, unify us? Like what do we have American in common? Dream. Huh? The American dream. Yeah, exactly. The American dream is always something that's brought everyone together. Freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom to, to pursue happiness. You know, these basic freedoms have unified us. Mm -hmm. And for some, and somehow, some way, it's being all vilified. I'm like, how does that, how does that even happen? I don't know. Because now I think a lot of people are saying the American dream is only good for some people. So I think um, we can add one to our list. Mm. The dividing of America is because of different motives. Different people have different motives. And, and anarchists have the motives to get rid of government entirely, right? Yes. So they have different motives. And you can have like a group of 100 people, and you can have five anarchists, mm -hmm. and the whole freaking 100 people will become violent and crazy, right? right? Because they just, they, they, it's a frenzy. It's an anger frenzy. It's a primal frenzy that just spreads like mystical powers it's, it's weird it's really well fear can be a weird thing right fear can cause you to choose a very radical side whether either side yep it can cause you to jump on either side radically right right but fear is like uncertainty of the future you know right. being but afraid of the future right so problem is if with fear is you don't you're not living in the moment you're living in some future weird state that yeah. and most people fear most people are afraid of things that 95% of the time are not going to happen. Right. right? But, but, yeah. It's just weird. So they create this artificial reality in the moment because of fear. And fear just drives angst in people. It drives angst in them. Now, belief and faith and um, all that stuff, it's the opposite of fear. Yeah. Right. And that, and, uh, and faith is believing in people and um, situations are going to work out for the better. Fear is just like it's all going to come come tumbling down, and the world's going to come to an end, and you know it's just going to suck. And um, rather than rather than learn from our mistakes, we're just being divided by our mistakes, and um, the division is getting greater and greater. Right. But why is it not simple enough that we can all agree that there shouldn't be looting, for example? Right. Like, why is that such a hard one? I want to outlaw. I want Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump to have a discussion and only talk about what they agree with. You know how long that, that meeting would last? Five seconds. Yeah, it wouldn't be a meeting. Well, she won't even agree with it. I, I guarantee it's you. It's ridiculous. Trump, like, you Trump, can't agree yeah. with anybody on anything? No, Trump would not agree with her on anything, and she would not agree yeah, on Yeah, that's pride and ego. And that's pride and ego to, that's destroying our, our but country. That's what we, but that's what we've decided we want out of our politics, right? I mean, that the, the division... If politics, if politicians didn't believe that they'd be voted for by doing that, they wouldn't do it. That's why. That's a great case for term limits. Oh yeah, there's got to be term limits. There, I mean, there just has to be. You, we need fresh blood, man. We need fresh perspective. We need fresh learnings um, in order to to continue our freedoms. Yeah, and we got to get. I mean, the, with the term limits, it's interesting. The president has term limits, right? Right. But others don't. But senators don't. Congressmen yeah. don't. No. Now, judicial judges are usually serve their lifetime, right? In yeah. the Supreme they Court, can, especially. Yes. Well, and that, that, I think there's a good reason for that, though. That way, they're not held to anybody. Do you know what I mean? They don't. They're not elected. Right. Right. So, 
I think that I think in an end that has actually been a good thing for the Supreme so Court. So the thing that's confusing to me and the thing that's worrying to me is with all this division and the dividing of America, where are the good men and women that are going to run for office? I mean, like they're making money. Yeah, they're making money and providing for their families because if you run for office, you're going to be it's going to be a nightmare for you. Yeah, there's no reason to do it. I mean, just think about it from this way. The president of the United States makes 400000 a year. I mean, to our really successful people in the United States that are probably really good leaders, that's nothing. It's not worth it. It's not worth the hell they have to go through to get there. Not at Unless all. Unless you're extremely power hungry. Right. Or a narcissist or, a, or just, a, you know, I have different it. motives. Or I, And I've been studying Reagan a lot. Because everyone wants to bring him up, right? Every conservative. And, you know, I'm not so sure that dude was all there. Reagan, Reagan was a, you know, he was a good guy, great actor. Um, but when he, you know, he was the governor of California. But then when he was the president, he did things like done, defund the mental health care of this country. Yeah. And, and, and what happened was, after he did that, the prisons became a, recept, a receptacle for the mentally ill. Yeah. And, and we've, we've seen, since his presidency, we've seen rapid growth in prisons where we lead the world in incarceration by number and percentage. Yeah. And um, when you look in prisons, I think the data shows us that anywhere between 30 and 50% of the inmates are suffering from some kind of mental illness that's not properly cared for. And um, that's a problem. And we, we're divided on how we handle yeah, incarceration mental and mental health like everything's dividing and like i think we should just have some new rules of engagement only talk about what you agree upon it's common ground this idea of building on common ground really matters it'd be, it would be interesting i mean that's a really good point it'd be really interesting to have a a debate and say okay what do you guys agree on yeah let's have it let's you know what let's do a life karma debate and let's bring some people let's let's do this Let's get two other people, bring them into Life Karma Studios, and let's have a let's have them be as different as they can possibly be, and then let's have the whole discussion like around someone that really believes in COVID and one that doesn't, right? Or someone that believes That'd be fascinating, yeah, someone that believes in COVID, someone that doesn't, right? That'd be yeah. a good example. Yeah. So, and let's say let's talk about, I mean, like really hardcore differences. Like they wouldn't even be friends on the street, or you know, but let's talk about what. The rules would be just this, just this. What do we believe that's what's what's common in our belief? You know, it'd be great if we could find it, but they would ne- it would never happen. A racist and a non-racist. Oh yeah, we just need to go to the South for that. Yeah, well, we can find that. <laughs> There's South. plenty yeah, of people right. that are just but complete I'm, I proud of being racist. The together. Well, they'd be. You'd have to be careful because yeah, there's a lot of saying. Well, there's a lot of, I mean, the South is not, that's not fair. Like there's racists everywhere, not just in the South, but I serve my mission in South Carolina. So I mean, like it's, I was raised in Las Vegas and I I went to the South. I'm like, good Lord, good Lord. What? Like you are referring to people like in ways that I would have never been able to refer to people that way, but I was just raised in a completely integrated school system um, back in the day. So, I mean, for me, it was just really shocking (laughs) when I saw the 1980s and the racism that was still there. Um, but, um, you know, let's talk about the unifying of America, not the dividing of America. So how does America become unified again with all this great division? The last four years have been just one dividing nightmare after another. 
And like, what if we just got unified? You would think a pandemic would do it. You know what the pandemic did though? It divided I, us more. It did. I, there was a statistic today that I, I read in the paper. Oh no, did you read the 6%? No, I read the 57% increase in divorce since COVID hit. Oh. You wanna talk about dividing relationships, destroying, dissolving marriages. Yeah, I'm crazy busy. Yeah, you've never been more busy, I've right? So busy. it's because, and you know who it's hitting more? If, you've, if you were married in 2016 or later, the bulk of the divorces are happening between which, with those people. Which is really surprising to me because usually you're still in what I would call the honeymoon phase. Right. Me too. That seems weird. Like I've been married for 31 years. You've been married over 15 years. Yeah. Like, you know, we're in for the long haul. <laughs> yeah. Because you, usually that if you're at 2016 or newer, usually you don't have a child yet or maybe one. Right. That's still very young. Right. Right. And yet. Again, divorce? Like, it just, it, it seems like you're still in that honeymoon phase. Right. So here's what happens. After 31 years of marriage, you have division and dividing. <laughs> what happens is you go to sleep and you wake up the next morning and you start over. Like, and you find something to build upon. Find some faith. Right. You're like, okay, I'm not going to, like, if I try to, if I get out of this marriage, I'm doomed for life. So no. I'm like, I'm going to, if I can't make it work with sweet Kim, I can't make it work with anybody. Marriage, marriage logically only makes sense when you have minor children. I mean, I mean, I'm just going to give it to it straight. Like, I mean, it, I mean, it's very fast. I mean, you look at the numbers, statistics, blah, 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 the kids that come from two parent households and those that don't, I mean, if you want your minor child, you know, usually that's the best way. Like, obviously there's situations that you can't control, but, um, it's very fascinating after that. You know, what's interesting to me is that I was, um, there, there was a study that was done in the 1990s about suburban Chicago, right? Where middle, middle class suburban Chicago with people married. And then they asked how, this was a trauma study. This is the Methodist home folks was, there's a Dr. Um, a Dr. Lawrence. I was on this call this weekend with Dr. Lawrence from the Methodist home in, in Georgia. And they are talking about trauma treatment plans and all these kinds of things. Even in like hom homogeneous middle-class America with two parents there, I think something like 70% of the kids, these are adults that are remembering about their childhood, had some form of abuse and trauma connected with it, whether it was physical, sexual, or emotional abuse, mm -hmm. right? 70%. And when you have that kind of trauma, the likelihood of cancer, um, uh, self-injurious uh, self behavior, suicide, it's, it's like quadrupled. It's like 10 times the amount. And I'm like, okay, if that's happening in suburban America, like where homogeneous communities are happening, when you have really troubled kids that are in high poverty and high crime and high minority areas where, where, where the family unit's been blown up, the trauma is off the, is off the well, it's scale. It's off the, it's off the Richter. So, so what happens is when you talk about trauma and division, it becomes very difficult because when you have trauma, the creation and the byproduct of trauma are things like triggers, like emotional triggers, right? The problem with a trigger is you usually don't have free will when you have a trigger. So what's happening is I, I see these, you know, these pro these, these peaceful protests that turn violent because there are people that are igniting the triggers of the group to to, they're just trying to trigger everybody so they become primal and and a lot of it if, if, you, if you're not controlling your consciousness you know it's past your free will and it's just like it's crazy 
crowd mentality like it's not so well i want to back up for a second with the trauma statistic you gave me is that like trauma within the home or is right. that trauma in general no just trauma within the home also oh, right like, either emotional abuse by so the parents not even, not even taking into account like trauma you might no this is with school right no this is yeah that's not even school trauma getting wow. beat up by you know this is like uh two parents home wow. And I mean, this is like now, not, not, I mean, it was, I know that's 70%, but like 70% had at least one kind of trauma, sure, either sure. emotional trauma. It seems high. It goes to my theory that in the U S nowadays, we feel like we need drama. Like we need some kind of drama in our life, some kind of crazy high right. stakes, like craziness in the house. Right. right. So <laughs> it's funny. Cause, um, few years ago I was, I was watching television and uh, i'm watching you know espn one espn two watching fox news cnn i'm like okay whatever i'm surfing right. and i'll stop on like cops in las vegas and oh i can't like, like oh my brother my brother was arrested on cops in las vegas and he's proud of it i gave him a trophy and then and then or you have this intervention where people are like drug addicts and their family get together and put them in oh and then there's the one my, my the one that when it comes on i can't not it's called Hoarders Buried Alive. Oh my gosh, and I can't I'm, watch that. And it is so crazy, but I like I can't turn the channel. Oh. And one time Kim was like knocking on the door and she goes into our TV room. She goes, what you watching? Like she's Dora the Explorer. And I'm like, <laughs> I say, honey, I'm watching Hoarders Buried Alive. And she goes like, you're a sick, sick, sick man. I'm like, what do you mean I'm a sick man? She goes, that's just sick. You can't, I can't even watch that. I can't even stomach it. I, I said, I know. I just feel so comfortable. You know, my mom was a hoarder. Oh and, my gosh. and I'm like, I just feel so comfortable when things are in such a disarray <laughs> and craziness. And she goes, you got some mental issues. I said, you know, my, my, my extent of trauma. And, but, but that's the point, you know, that's the point. you feel comfortable in the chaos. Yes. Certain people feel great comfort in this chaos. So they create the division to, to rationalize a, a, a chaotic uh, chaotic situation so in the in the mind and body of a child mm -hmm. right when you injure a child psychologically or you know sexual from sexual abuse or physical abuse the immediate that there's two things that happen in the child's brain the first thing is the child cannot because of their brain development cannot say my the, the adults around me are wacko right right what they do they, it, their brain has not developed they, they have that they don't have that cognition so what they say is that's my fault yeah. If the divorce happens, that's my fault. If I get abused, that's my fault. The second thing that happens in these children's um, minds, besides, you know, being blaming themselves. Edward Snowden in his book said the hardest thing he ever went through in his life was being the in-between between his divorced parents as a child. Right. right. That's traumatic. Right. It was right. very traumatic for him. Right. Like he, his parents would put him, you know, specifically right in that position. And back to your TV comment, by the way, Emily's favorite show to watch is like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Real Housewives of Atlanta, where those chicks just freaking kill each other constantly. It's like constant drama. And I'm like, yeah. how can you watch this crap? Kids are used as pawns by parents all the time. Weapons. Then, weapons. Weapons. Yeah, they weaponize their children. And, uh, and it really has devastating impact on the children. Their brains are not developed. And as they go through life, the second thing that they do is um, they their self-esteem goes to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. So then their pride and ego raises up and their triggers raise up and they're not rational. Well, how could you be? I mean, if you don't get professional help as a child to deal with those types of things or even as an, an adult or whenever, um, how could you be rational? Yeah, you're not rational. Kim <clears throat> thought she married a perfectly rational person <laughs> until we were married for two months. So Emily thought it was a good idea to marry an attorney. Right. That was not a good idea. 
No, because you thrive on conflict. But here's the thing. You're not divisive about your conflict. You, you like, always want to reach a solution. But your approach to it's different. Oh, yeah. I Why don't you tell want, us about that? I definitely want to fire you up until I point out that I agree with you. You right. know what I mean? Like, I want to, I guess here's what I want to do and why I do it is I want to see your limits. I want to see people's limits right. to their ideologies. Do you want my, you don't want my interpretation of what you do a lot? Yeah, let's hear it. You love to get people in a triggered state. Yeah. Just to mess with them. I do. Just to see, just fun. to see. <laughs> you do this with Kim all the time or with I Hannah do. or my I boys. Do. You'll like, you'll just mess with them to see how they're going to respond. I know. To see what they're made out of. Let, let me give you my favorite example. Yeah, please give it to me. <laughs> Most recent example is. Sam's wonderful son, Jake, sat me down. Oh, this is a great story, you guys. This is a great story. And it has such a good-hearted intention. Yes. And he just crushed my son, Jacob. <laughs> it's brutal. So Jake has a crazy, crazy talent. And it's to making these natural wood tables. I'm, I know I won't give it justice in how I explain yeah, it. But they're called live, live edge slabs, right? You you take live edge wood. Expensive. And yeah. they take a lot of time and a lot of talent to be able to make these things. And Jake sits me down. He's like, hey, I have a, an offer for you. And I'm like, okay. He's like, um, I want to give you... Oh, no, he asked me, how much do you value... Because you were commenting on how much you love yeah. his furniture, right? Well, I asked him if I, he could make me one. Right, right. And he said, how much do you value it? And I'm like, I'm not answering that. And he's like, what? I'm like, I'm not answering that because if I say I love it, you're going to hire the price. If I say I, I hate it, you're not going to give it to me. And he's like, um, okay. Um, you said if you hate it, you're going to lower the price. Yes, that's right. That's you, right. You'll lower the price. And if I like it, you're going to increase the price. Yes, that's what you said. Because I'm cynical. Right. I'm just cynical that way. Yeah, Jake was like, what, what, what? Like he was completely taken back yes. by that. Jake has the most pure heart. Okay. He's so the, I need to explain that. Like he, yeah. he would never think the way I think ever. He just wanted. And so, and then he said, okay, um, but you like it, right? And I'm like, I'm not answering that. <laughs> I'm just not going to answer that. And um, he said next, he said, um, wait, wait. What he said was, I'm not going to sell it to you. Yeah, he said, I'm not going to sell it to you. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. Which he actually caught you. He caught you there yeah, for a weird. second. It's weird. Because when, when he said he's not going to sell it to you, you're like, what's he up to? I was like, are you thinking I'm like a girl where if I can't have it, I want it more? And you're going to jack the price yeah. up? Yeah, <laughs> I knew that was going on in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, I want to give you one. He's like, I want to gift you. A table. Yeah, that's. Be, I mean, to explain to the audience because you've had years of support and you've helped him on, you know, his mission in Africa and other things, and yeah. he felt it was the least he could do to repay you for your kindness and generosity. Yeah, and I looked him straight in the eyes and I said, "I reject your offer." It totally freaked him out. <laughs> he I had no it. idea what to even do. Yeah, I was like, "I reject your offer." And he, I mean, how many times you been you offer something to someone for free? And they reject your offer, especially something of such high value. Yeah, I mean, so these these tables you guys are like worth four and five. He sells them for like four and five thousand bucks. They're not yeah. cheap. No, they're beautiful. But he has hundreds of hours in them, right? Yeah. So, and I'm like, I reject your offer. It just completely just he didn't even know what to say. No, he was no. completely baffled. Yeah, and I, you know, and I felt bad. I'm like, well, what's your cost? What's your hard cost on these things? And he gave me a number, and then quickly Sam said, No, that's not correct either. Yeah, that's just your material cost. That has nothing in there for labor. Right, right. And so, like, I mean, this guy has just got the greatest heart. Anyway, so we came to, we still haven't come to a solution on our problem because I rejected his free offer. 
And that's because I like to see what happens. Yeah. He just wants to, he wants to put you in a triggered state to see. So he actually, um, I think Brian loves to, loves to see how people, where their limits are. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yep. Because so, it gives them an advantage in any kind of argument. Absolutely. If I know your limits, <clears throat> I, I have pretty much won. Like if I know, like that I, the fact that I know Jake has a pure heart, I've won. You know what I mean? Like that's my limit. Like he'll never be dishonest. He'll never play in the gray. Yeah, so but I you won. know, the cool thing is, is you knew, you knew exactly what his heart was. You knew yes. his integrity. And you're like, you know, you can trust that kid with yes, anything. But right? I still reject his offer. But you did. So you were divisive. <laughs> <laughs> tortured him, but you taught him a good, American. valuable lesson in business. It's just like people, here's another th weird thing that I've learned over the years is no one values what they get for free. No, they don't. Does. You are so right there. They don't. Nobody right. So this is it. the great, this is the great um, argument about the dividing of America. So people are saying there's need to be reparation and there's, you know, we need to be paid more and you need to do more for us and you need to forgive our loans for school. And there needs to be no, you know, no medical, um, no, no free medicine, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Free medicine, free school, free, whatever. How do you think people will value that if they, they don't sacrifice for it? They won't, they won't just because you're born in a country, you get all those things for free. No, you have freedoms that allow you to go get those things. Yeah. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of taxation in Canada, like 45, 50% taxation in Canada and there's socialized medicine and there's other things and you pay the price for, for lack. And, and the more taxes you have, the more, more um the more government intervention you have the less freedom you have and that's that that's what this country is founded upon and yet we have I mean, people that want to just have everything for free and we'll, things don't things aren't free well let, newsflash to everybody here okay listen when you have high taxation like that it does not and let me repeat this it does not affect the upper third okay here's why the upper third are going to find a way to not pay that taxation. But the guy that's working his guts out construction wise, or the woman that's out there like doing a daycare, just God, killing her body and patients and everything. Those are the people that will pay that actual tax. Yeah. Not the upper third. It's, it's the middle, the middle class that's yes, going to pay You're hurting that. yourself. Yeah, middle class. And, and you're going to, you're going to keep um, the rich, rich, and the poor, poor, and the middle class, middle. You're going to have yes. really hard. It's going to be really hard for upward mobility. The more you reach to communism or socialism, the harder it is to live the American dream. Well, the higher taxation, the harder it is going to be to live the American dream because money will not be flowing. Governments don't make money flow. They find up special projects. They hire more people to do absolutely nothing that benefits you being able to move up in society or make your life better. So here's the great thing about capitalism is if you have a different idea, you can make a company. You get paid for it. You can make a company and make money. So as long as you have people that will pay you for what you're thinking differently about. Like we, we, had, we had some different today in a, in a business venture we have outside of Life Karma. You and I had different thinking about it. Yes. Right? And we're free to be different. Correct. And to part our ways with some people that were interested and we're free to go off on our own. Do whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. Right. And that's a good thing. It is. That Thank kind you. of difference is good. Yes. If and you uh, have access to capital, right? Like right. If you have thing. access to capital, that kind of stuff is good. What's bad is just division for division's sake and to villainize people um, for being divided. Like, like I did with Jake. Right. You just did that. To, but you, you, were, you were teaching him. You were trying to teach him something. And you're trying to see his heart. So yeah. I saw that intention. It didn't bother me. Well, yeah. And, and 
it's a cold world. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, like, it's, a, just a cold it's a lonely jury world. world, cold world. Nobody values what they get for free. I mean, they just don't. Like, it, it, you know, if, yeah. if I... I don't know. It just so one sense. of the sins of this generation, I think, in every generation, is the sin of ingratitude. Well, I, that's I think that's interesting. Not I, being grateful is but, really a lot of what's killing our country. But I don't even think they have the opportunity to be grateful. Well, they weren't taught to be grateful. Well, they're not. There's nothing they have to be grateful for because everything's given. So this is where Jake's perspective is completely different. He lives in, you know, in a grass, in a, in, a, in, a, in a straw shanty with dirt floors for two years in Africa, eating pat, which is cornmeal and water, as his main staple, pat and rice, you know, and cooking fish heads for two years. And he's just like, oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. You, if you think you're, you're, um, Go there and live if you if you want to see like a shitstorm of life. Right. I mean, he came back, man, mom and dad. You know, he. I remember him calling me, and he's like, the first month he's in Africa, right? He's yeah. in. He's in. After he was, he lived in Ghana for a couple of months. Then he goes to Benin, and he says, "Dad." And Benin's pretty decent in certain areas, mm -hmm. right? Togo's a little more underdeveloped, but he said, "Dad, things are different here." <laughs> I'm like, you think, you think, buddy, things are different there. Yeah, they're different. They're a whole lot different. But the riches aren't suffering there. No, he said there are wealthy. There are five star hotels, and there are wealthy people yeah. that live on the coast. <clears throat> and he said, but the bulk of people make no more than eighteen dollars a month. That's insane. That's what they make. They make eighteen dollars a month. That's insane. Yeah, and they do a lot of manual labor, and and it's just like, oh my gosh, like it's just all about perspective. Yeah. Right. No, it is all about perspective. Yeah. And when you're focused on differences and not tolerant of differences, you never get the empathy from perspective. Well, you have nothing to be grateful for. Right. Unless you've, I've always said this is like, unless you've earned it as an entrepreneur, <clears throat> earned the money, had to actually go out and sweat and do all the things you had to do as an entrepreneur, you're never going to um, really understand and have gratitude for what was built. You just can't. You just can't because you haven't been through it. Right. And that's what that's why they always say the entrepreneur spirit, because they know you're going to go through hell. You're going to lose money. You're going to make money. You're going to lose it all. Then get it all. I mean, you're just you're not going to really appreciate the things you don't have to earn. That's true. It's just it, it just is. So right. there was a great football quote today by a football coach. Um, uh, the essence of it, it was from Ted Roof. He's. He's a teammate of mine who's the defensive coordinator or assistant head coach at Vanderbilt University. He said, you know, when it comes to football, there's no credit, there's no debits, there's nothing. <laughs> he said, you get what you work for. <laughs> and I'm speaking like, oh of, my gosh, that's so damn profound. And that <laughs> Well, speaking of, how did those two small colleges open up the college uh, football season? Austin something. Austin PV. Yeah, I guess. I don't remember. I give it, yeah. But the Big Ten or the Pac-12 can't figure yeah. it out. And that game was exciting. They had a true freshman. He like run, the first play of the game runs for like seventy-eight yards for a touchdown. I was like, Absolutely. hell yeah, that's good. We've Absolutely. been playing He's football. Grateful. He's grateful. You know, for the Utah was the playing. yeah he is. Utah was the first uh, state in the union to play a football game. This and and it was Davis High School. My kids, all my boys, alma mater played the first football game 
in the state of Utah, in the country, in the state of Utah about three weeks ago. And they are, they're into the season three or four games yeah. already. Yeah, that hurts. And, <laughs> and they're doing things like, you know, you got to be, there's hand, tan, you, you, you come off the sidelines, you have to use hand sanitizer, and then they make you have your own drinking bottle. There's a lot of things, but there's no rampant COVID spread. Oh, it's funny because I saw on Twitter, they're like, Corner Canyon High School will have more televised games on ESPN than U of U this year. That's crazy. And do you see Corner Canyon? They have a quarterback that's unbelievable. Well, Corner Canyon has more four- and five-star recruits than BYU does. That's unbelievable. Corner it's like... The kid that's the quarterback for Corner Canyon, he came from Roy High School. He started as a freshman, sophomore, and junior. He's like, screw this. I'm going to Corner. I want to win a state championship with 5A. He's a top, he's probably the top five kid in the state. He'll probably go. He's already had an offer from BYU and others, but um, in other like other big schools. But but anyway, the thing about it is, so what I'd like to spend the remaining uh, few minutes of our time, I'd really like I'd like to spend the remaining few minutes of our time talking about the uniting of America, not the dividing of America. What can we do to unite this great country? I think we have to get the narrative correct. I think we have to get the narrative that, hey, number one, we're all in this together. Number two, we need our politicians to be honest. And number three, we have to look around, look our right, our left, in my opinion, look right and left and realize your neighbors They want the same thing at the end of the day as you do. I think there needs to be a huge movement in politics of humanizing people. We need to demand it. We need to demand it. We do as voters. We need to demand the humanization of, of, of everyone. And what's happening is there's dehumanizing everybody. And if we don't, if we don't take our response, our responsibility, and if we don't vote, right, if we don't, if we don't vote, for the candidates that are unifying people instead of dividing people, we're always going to have a divided government. It's true. And, um, and that's the message we have for us today. You know, that's the message we have for everyone today. Let's unify. Let's, um, celebrate differences. Let's listen. Let's seek to understand first. Heaven forbid we learn from somebody. Life karma is all about learning from the differences that we have and um celebrate them celebrate those differences but let's let's look at the big picture of what we're all trying to accomplish and not get caught up in all the minutia good i mean there's a lot of minutia out there that our politicians want us to focus on and let's just just not allow let's don't give them the power to allow us to focus on those things i no longer listen to the news if it's divisive i don't care who i don't care what station it is if it's dividing i just turn it off yeah i'm really I mean, can't I don't want to tolerate it anymore. I'll tell you what, if Donald Trump doesn't win, these news stations are definitely not gonna have the viewership they used to have. Oh yeah, whatever, yeah. That's Divisiveness true. sells. Oh yeah, it does. The bigger the fire, the more sells. Yeah. Yeah. News has been for years has been predicated on, on bad news disaster. Think about it. People define themselves by the news station they watch. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean who would have thought that would have been said? I yeah. mean, 50, 60 years yeah. ago. The impartiality of journalism is just gone. <clears throat> there is no such thing as journalism. No, there's just no, there's no objective viewpoint It's anymore. called opinion pieces. <laughs> yeah, it's just op-ed. It's just one big-ass op-ed. It's, just, it's CNN op-ed. It's Fox op-ed. It's everything op-ed. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah. yeah they control. All right, so find similarities, yeah. live in unity, and have a wonderful 
It's a wonderful week. Don't be too crazy out there. Yeah, like, don't be too crazy. Find somebody that you agree with. Yeah. Have a good conversation. Yeah, we're going to have some more people on here. Maybe have a Mount Dew Zero. Or what, coffee? Coffee? Some kind of life karma out. Have, have a, a great... Have a drink together. Yeah, have a great week. Peace out. Yeah.